Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Very much appreciate it. And if uh, this is your first time listening, hey, awesome. Thanks. Check out other episodes. We have so many. A great episode to listen to that pairs with this one very well is the one with Jessica Broadback. That's actually the person who got me in touch with today's guest. And uh, Jessica and I were talking a bunch about meditation. Today's guest is someone who had some background and still has some background in performance art, but she is working with an initiative or a a group uh, called the Connection Movement. And uh, it's very interesting what they're doing, and I think so much of it can help every kind of person. So it's a great episode to listen to for that. But also, I think it's really, really great for performers to check out because so much of it has to do with just breaking down emotional blocks so that you can actually perform emotions. You know, if, if you don't feel comfortable feeling emotions or sitting with emotions, then you're not going to express them very well or very genuinely. You're going to avoid them, especially in improv when it's all on the, you know, seat of your pants. You're just going along with stuff. And, you know, if the emotion comes up, you could make a choice to just not go with that emotion because you might feel uncomfortable with it. But that's not really the best performance art, is it? That's not the best improv. So uh, definitely definitely take this in. Even if you're a comedian and you're saying like, oh, this isn't a comedian on today's episode, listen to it because I think it can still benefit you. Speaking of things to listen to, though, real quick, I do want to mention that I am on a podcast called The Truth. It's a great podcast. It's one of my favorites. It's so, so interesting, and it's very well put together. Uh, former guest Davey Gardner is an associate producer on this podcast, and just, there's so much interesting and funny stuff going on it. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I'm on this week's episode of it. It's it's dropping tomorrow, Wednesday. So please check it out. It's um, I'm, it's a real big deal to me to be on it because. When, you know, when I move up here, when I moved up here, I'm thinking, you know, I want to get into entertainment. And one of the things for me is to do something I, I can show my friends and my family and say, like, hey, I'm, I've done this thing. Uh, here's a commercial I'm in or something, you know, like I'm this dead body in this week's Law and Order episode or whatever, you know, like just something that people can see that aren't here in New York because people here in New York can go see my shows, but people back home don't get to see that I'm really doing something. And when it's something that I'm doing that I also just love anyway, like I love the Truth Podcast and now I get to be on it, uh, it's really special to get to share that. So I'm not a big part. Uh, I can't say what my part is because I feel like that would give something away, but uh, just check it out. It's the truth and uh, 
I'll have links in the bio for it so you can check it out. And I'll also tweet and Facebook about it. Okay, enough about me. Let's get to today's episode. Again, so excited to share it with you. Let's get right to it. Here is my chat with Amy Silverman. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about, I think, something that is fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you and... um connecting with it with this comedy community oh yeah that's great so let's before we we talk about this fascinating thing that i i'm building up let's go back <laughs> a little bit and talk about your background and how you got mm-hmm. into the work uh that you're doing but let's start with uh, don't you have uh, some background in entertainment or, or art yes a substantial background in that um i was pretty much a performer starting at a really young age. I loved singing and dancing and theater. And so I was uh, what, you know, a musical theater geek Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, went away to theater camp every summer here in New York, actually. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, but Mm -hmm. I spent five summers at Stage Door Manor, which is a intensive theater program that happens each summer and 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 then ultimately out of high school decided to pursue kind of two majors in college I uh, musical theater performance and then also I studied to be an arts educator oh wow okay Mm -hmm. and uh, you know something that's coming to mind is that uh, there are a lot of people who were in acting for a while. They maybe even were in movies, but they were in arts and entertainment for a while, and then they got into yoga or meditation. And uh, I wonder what the theory behind that is. Do you think it's because there's there's something that can be a bit hectic and off-putting uh, emotionally and spiritually in the entertainment world and in in the arts that it makes people want to settle down, you know, settle down all the noise and sort of get calm Mm. and get, and get connected with their deeper self. Is that, do you think that's why people do that? Um, well, I think what you just described is a reason why many different kind of people are drawn to yoga and meditation, that grounding and quieting mm-hmm. of of oneself. But I actually believe that for those, at least I can say um, in the, in the acting industry, in the theater and acting industry, dance and singing that, the skills um, and the sort of foundational presence and being that is cultivated in yoga and meditation, I found to be very much a part of of the training mm-hmm. as as an actor, a musician, and um, I use the word dancer lightly when I describe myself. Yeah. I'm more what they, they call in the industry a mover, but um, yeah, so I think it, it, it's it's um, 
a, a natural place to land for those in the arts mm-hmm. because it's an, it's another environment that embraces many of the same values. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'd not heard that before, but but it does make a lot of sense. You know, connecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it is about connecting. Um, yeah, and I would say meditation and yoga are really about connecting self. Mm-hmm. And in order to be a an epic performer, you know, one that really moves audiences and really connects, then two audiences or the audiences connect to them, you need to be centered in truth, mm-hmm. which means you mm-hmm. need to be grounded in yourself and the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not just about giving appearances of, right. of emotion or giving appearances of going through an experience when you're performing, um, at least in, in acting, singing and dancing, you're embodying an experience of another. Um, right. And so at least I the good actors are doing that. <laughs> at least the good exactly. actors are not just putting on, you know, because the, there are right. actors. And I think it's getting more and more popular now to just put on airs, basically, to, to basically mimic something as opposed to actually being it. So it can be a, a more genuine expression of whatever the moment is that is going on on our screens or on the stage. Right, right. And I think that it, that it's that I agree with you, and we both just asserted the same idea that the the artists among the you know the the true artists, the masters, mm-hmm. are the ones who are most deeply rooted in truth because that's what really touches and moves audiences, whether it's a small screen, big screen, the stage, that's what touches us is feeling the resonance and feeling the the truth. Um, And there certainly are, you know, huge amounts of, of performers of all kinds who, um, are still successful by navigating in other ways mm-hmm. and um, having a skill or craft that can represent truth without maybe embodying it. Um, it's funny, as I just said that, as I said singers and actors and dancers, but as I'm speaking, I'm, I'm thinking about even um, instrumentalists, mm-hmm. you know, that, that there's a difference between playing um, violin with technical mastery versus technical mastery plus emotion. emotion. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally agree. And, and I think, um, I was just seeing something about a a teenager who is playing guitar and she's getting a lot of attention on like Instagram and, and, uh, someone was pointing out how great they are because, you know, it's not because the, the, the musician was saying she's not great because, she's a teenager in playing that well, it's because she has a certain emotional depth that she is putting through that instrument and through the mm-hmm. notes that she's playing that generally someone her age doesn't. And it's, and it's more than just, you know, these situations where you see like a, 
a nine-year-old who's playing uh, some Led Zeppelin song or something like that. Right, or mimicking. Right, yeah, they're yeah. technically playing the notes as a technician, and it's just interesting that a nine-year-old has the dexterity and the skill set to be able to do that, but that isn't as interesting, you know, as uh, someone who's putting emotion through it. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's mm-hmm. that technical skill side, and then there like being a technician of the instrument versus being mm-hmm. an artist who is putting mm-hmm. some emotion into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, exactly. I think one of the things that really fascinates me about this topic is that, you know, as as someone who wants to be a better actor and and better performer, who is really in the moment and expressing something in a real and genuine way, it makes you makes me realize, you know, there's some emotional baggage I have to deal with or some sort of some sort of blocks internally that I have to uh, mental blocks that I have to deal with. And I think meditation helps you get that stuff out of the way a little bit. But you really have to work on yourself if you want to be an artist. You can't, yeah, of it's, course. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to get to the truth of something if you're not willing to process it or go there and feel it. Exactly. Yeah. Be with it is the language I, I often use. Yeah. Meet it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think oh, meditation and yoga are two modalities that you've mentioned in, you know, in this conversation, and they certainly can be extremely valuable for me the most valuable tool that I've experienced so far has been called circling, which is a combination of the uh, the type of presence and curiosity that one would bring to meditation, that being with oneself. But it, it combines that with connection with other or others in a group so that the the meditation and our presence is in connection. It's being met. It's being mm-hmm. reflected. Mm-hmm. It's being um, received. Mm-hmm. And in that reception, in in those reflections, in that experience of resonance or even attunement to other, there is for me, a lot more access Mm. to myself and a lot richer and further of a journey that I can go in relation to myself and others by being in deep connection and deep presence with others rather than isolating myself in meditation or yoga. Yes, and this is exactly along the lines of what I'm wanting to start getting at and, and talking with you, because on your website, The Connection Movement, I saw about circling, and I had never heard of it before. Um, if we were to put that in layman's terms, it's the sort of idea, the, the hopeful result of circling, would it be like, let's say, a, let's say a couple, a married couple, is the idea, mm-hmm. or maybe one of the ideas, is for them to be able to genuinely feel what they feel and express it and not hold it back and be okay with affecting one another. Like, you feel what you feel, I feel what I feel, 
and I'm not going to resist how the way you feel affects me. I have a few answers to what you okay. just said. So far, what you've said, uh, I would say that that is a, a potential outcome or reason why a couple, for example, might pursue circling mm-hmm. to get right with themselves, mm-hmm. with each other, um, and to welcome what is in the relationship, meaning, you know, I welcome you in what your experience is. I'm going to welcome what I am in my experience. We're going to look at what the dynamic is between us and welcome that. And then we're going to be with each other in the impact. So when, you know, you said, um, you know, you'll do you and I'll do me or I'll feel me and you'll feel you and we'll be okay with that and not resist the, outcome of that but it's not it's not only acceptance and not resisting it but it's actually being with it Mm. so i can i can share an example that i have a a very dear friend uh who feels to me in my life like one of the primary relationships of Mm. my life Mm -hmm. and we um interact with each other quite a lot and and he has been going through a lot of things, uh, a lot of changes in his life right now. There's a lot of um, up and down and internal changes and external changes. And I, I'm with him in that, you know, I meet him in that and I bring my curiosity to him and welcome his full expression of what he's experiencing and also can share with him the impact of how it is to be me connecting with him in that. And, mm-hmm. and how, you know, it's not just like you're going to go through that and it doesn't affect me, but it does affect me and this is how. And then the roles reverse and he really invests in getting what it's like to be me in connection with him. Mm. How is it to be be in relationship with in, in this deep friendship with someone who is on that roller coaster ride? So we're actually meeting and connecting with each other without trying to change each other. Mm. I think it's something that people don't think about enough, and they're maybe uncomfortable mm-hmm. thinking about it. Um, yeah. And I think it's because people would be uncomfortable being in that position. I, I, I for whatever reason, people are seem way more socially awkward than people ever were before, <laughs> and um, you know, less mm. willing to accept where other people are and actually being with them in that and yeah. and and being okay with that. Um, and I think it actually not to make everything about how this affects the entertainment world, but I I see it in work now too. And I've experienced that Mm -hmm. too in work where if I'm in a scene and and this isn't just a new thing, this is something that generations have dealt with. But you know, if you're in a Mm -hmm. scene and someone puts a certain sort of emotion into it that you weren't expecting, you may be uncomfortable going there. I've definitely done that on stage in in improv. And so it would Mm -hmm. be interesting to get better at, letting you know like being okay like what you're saying is like that is where you are and i'm going to actually genuinely be with it i think that would make for better work 
for people, but it certainly has a huge mm-hmm. impact on, and, and this is going into what I've seen on the website of what the Connection Movement does. It would also have a huge impact uh, in the home with different kinds of relationships, whether you're roommates or spouses or siblings or mm-hmm. parents and children or at the workplace, you know, co-workers, yeah. boss, employee. I mean, like being mm-hmm. it's, there's so much consternation and gnashing of the teeth, it seems, of uh, uh, just not being OK with how somebody else feels. And not knowing how to manage that sort of situation emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of resistance or pushing away or, or pulling away. Um, or changing, trying mm-hmm. to advise or change someone uh, to be more, in, to be more, you know, fill in the blank so that I can be comfortable connecting with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like take it down a notch so that I can be comfortable dealing with the situation. With you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't feel that way because it's making me (laughs) uncomfortable. um, Even though you're just upset with something I did. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to accept blame. I'm not going to take responsibility. I'm just going to say it's all on you to change. Uh, I'm sure that's mm-hmm. something uh, that resonates with a lot of uh, subjugated people in our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know you you said a few minutes ago, for whatever reason, people are more socially awkward these days. And I, I think that there are a lot of easily traced and tracked reasons Mm -hmm. that we are where we are Mm -hmm. and I'm hopeful that people are hopefully it seems starting to wake up to the the idea that we can choose for it to be different yeah yeah, it's it really does come down to connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I, again, I say, like, this isn't necessarily new, um, even though I essentially said, like, people are more socially awkward now. But I think, you know, if you go back to the 1800s, <laughs> things were mm-hmm. very different. People weren't as connected then because there was so much space between people. They didn't see people as much. And, you know, I can mm-hmm. imagine... I didn't live then, and I don't know much, you know, about what life was like then. But I, I would imagine even back then there were people who, if some stranger came into their their atmosphere, that they were uncomfortable and said, "What's that person doing here?" You know, like, "Why are they here?" Um, and so there's that's that kind of social awkwardness. So you know, this is maybe just human nature to a certain degree to be uncomfortable. Uh, around other people or 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 having to so to speak deal with other people's feelings and what they're going through um let's talk about uh, the sort of services that you have at the connection movement because uh mm-hmm. th- there's a lot that you cover there um yeah mm-hmm. so what are what what all do you do there so if you really boil it down what the connection movement is doing 
is igniting our sense of shared humanity in the world. And I do that, we do that through several different approaches, one being that we offer trainings and workshops that primarily focus on learning effective tools for being with oneself, how to get in contact with oneself, Mm -hmm. how to share that with others in a way that invites empathy or invites connection Mm -hmm. and how to be with others and how to communicate with others in a way that has them feeling seen and met and heard and allowed Mm. to be themselves. Mm. So it's, um, it's learnable. So much of this is learnable. Yeah. Um, Even though it's a huge thing that you're talking about, because it would be amazing to just feel like I can just be me and that is okay. And I have just as much right to be here as anyone else. And I'm, I can be seen and heard. That is huge, but it doesn't have to be so huge that it's unattainable. Right, right. And this is something that, for the most part, we come in with this. You know, when you look at children, um, they say what they feel, they say what they think, they Mm -hmm. ask questions when they don't understand, there's not shame for not knowing mm-hmm. or making mistakes, you know, it, and then it's something that is learned and socialized to start to question ourselves, to mm-hmm. think that, you know, m- that we're wrong in some way to, mm-hmm. to accept ourselves less and less. And and in the process, accept others less, less and less. And so it's really um, an unlearning or a relearning of, of how to relate to ourselves and each other. And it's a practice. It's something that uh, you don't just, you know, flip a switch. You know, it's like once you understand that two plus two is four, mm-hmm. you kind of can't unlearn it. Mm-hmm. But in this, it, it's, it's just, we have to keep embodying it and keep practicing it and um, so that our, so it becomes more and more natural and authentic and, and real to lead with curiosity rather than judgment, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. uh, to let go of our assumptions about others and what they're thinking and feeling based on appearances. Mm but to actually inquire or be in the I don't know what's really happening for that person, which can be uncomfortable. Yeah. And and then it's getting comfortable with the discomfort. Yeah. And there are many different ways that those sort of things can come about, you know? I mean, there's obviously there's the... Uh, you know, there's a racial element, you know? There are people who will look at people of a certain race and make assumptions but then there's also just Mm -hmm. like you know the uh spousal situation where you know maybe someone is 
is saying like they look upset they better not be upset uh, at me because i did such and such because that would be stupid right. and then, then they start you know turning that wheel in their brain that's maybe not even accurate but right mm-hmm. you know that, that you know your spouse may not be upset about that <laughs> um yeah. So yeah. You know, you're so, kicking a can yeah. down the road and you're going in the wrong direction and now you're losing all this time, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get back to where yeah. they actually are. Yeah. So, so you know, returning to your question, one of those things that we offer are these trainings and workshops that are right now primarily offered in New York City mm-hmm. and uh, they're public so people can register, you know, come in from any anywhere and come, come participate. Uh, and then I've also started bringing trainings into businesses, organizations, and existing communities mm-hmm. to support the way that things work both internally there and then also it applies outside in your life and you take it home to your relationships and your children and your, or your teachers or students or wherever else you interact in the world. So that's, that's one piece of, of what the connection movement offers. And another piece of what the connection movement offers are opportunities to be social in an environment where these values are are shared, mm-hmm. where uh, the value of of truth telling, of empathy, of curiosity, the interest in building connection or letting down barriers versus. Uh, protecting mm. images or masks or impressions. And um, those social experiences range from just, you know, dinners out to dance dance parties or um, we're having later this month we're having what we're calling in the light a connection cabaret and a, mm-hmm. a, a talent show where people are sharing sharing something that they want to share but there's one extra piece which is a, you don't just get applause and walk off the stage you get to remain on the stage for a couple moments and hear a bit from the audience about how they were impacted or touched by your experience. So th- there's there's a relationship wow. where we there's a, an actual feedback loop uh and we get to we get to be with each other in that and and the audience is guided in such a way where the compliments or feedback or whatever it may be are shared in a in a in a meaningful way. So for mm-hmm. example as a teacher, I, I often hear from people, oh, my God, that workshop was awesome, or you're such a good teacher, or um, thank you so much, that was great, you know, and, and it's wonderful. I love to hear this, you know, what I would call positive feedback or compliments, but what is an even more meaningful contribution to another person that can create 
some connection and have a deeper impact is to actually reveal to whoever you're speaking to how you feel or felt in their presence or when they did the thing that they did. So um, rather than, oh, my God, you're such a funny guy, you're, duh, you're hilarious, it could be, I couldn't stop laughing <laughs> when you told the story about, and I, I, it reminded me of blah, 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 yeah. or, um, or whenever I see that you're playing in my city or performing in my city, I have to get a ticket because I'm in a good mood for five days afterwards or <laughs> what, you know, whatever it may be that it's like it, you get to receive who you are to someone mm-hmm. or what they got from you existing mm-hmm. and doing what you do versus um, a label. Right. And, and when I get a label, even if it's one that I like, there's almost this pressure. Okay, I'm so funny. Great. Now I have to be funny mm. for them to like me. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they like they like funniness, or they like you know cleverness, or they like mm. oh, oh, oh yeah, I love it when you smile. You know, yeah. like, and it's great. also just not personalized. Um, right. And it's just a label, but um, it yeah. does feel better for me personally uh, to get the type of of compliment or positive feedback that you're talking about i give that kind of feedback and um there there are some people who seem i don't like even more uncomfortable or something like it's so deep well it's just like it's it's like it it seems like it impacts them deeper than they were expecting they were expecting just the label sort of compliment and then they got something a little deeper so then it's like how do I receive this? Um, any yeah, it could be maybe on... a bit disarming for them right. to um, to experience a moment of of more vulnerability or intimacy than they were anticipating. And what mm-hmm. advice would you give to to people um, so that they can receive that um, for the for the benefit that they could be receiving it in? Hmm. I think I would say really. The best practice that, that I think I would suggest is to express what's actually happening mm-hmm. and to say, wow, that's really hard to take in. Or um, I, I, I'm so grateful that you're telling me this and I don't know how to respond. Yeah. So yeah. whatever, like what is real in the moment? That's how we create connection. Yeah. It's speaking our truth rather than having a... Um, that reaction of this is how I'm supposed to respond, even though it's not how yeah. I feel right now. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And, and, and it takes, it takes some, it takes commitment and, uh, and some, uh, effort, you know, mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. to, to, to leave aside those, habitual responses mm-hmm. and and to risk saying something that might not be popular you know like that to say like wow I don't know how to take that in 
where someone might be expecting you to say like, thank you so much, blah, 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 you know, but that's real, that's human. And that goes back to the very first thing that we were talking about, which is that we want truth Mm -hmm. as humans. It has us feel alive. Yeah. That's why we look for it in artists. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're actually denying ourselves truth in our everyday existence and then uh, are even more hungry for connection and turn to turn to the arts to have us feel alive and and uh, it's amazing that we turn to the arts I don't want to mm-hmm. say that that's some sort of um, vice right but, but it, it, I, I think it can be though um, not to cut mm-hmm. you off but I do think mm-hmm. that, that, that it can be an issue because people are starting to look for something from the arts that they really need to start finding in themselves or in their community. Uh, like they're mm-hmm. they're they're giving a they're putting a certain weight on comedy being a certain type of truth teller, and and it it really isn't that. You know, there's mm-hmm. some demystifying mm-hmm. that needs to happen. I think in comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And it is it is a good thing about comedy that we can find because there is that cathartic sort of I'm not the only one who thinks this or I'm glad somebody is saying that because it's so true or even I never thought of it that way but that is Mm -hmm. right you know like that is um that is a good thing and that is something that we should be getting from I don't want to get fake stuff from art even though it's make-believe to a certain degree they're they Mm -hmm. they should Mm -hmm. be talking about things in a genuine and truthful way but that's also what we're talking about just when you're interacting with another person there still should be that 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 moment of truth of this is how I actually feel because, you know, that's how we grow. Like, if somebody is not, if someone gets a really wonderful compliment and it makes them a little uncomfortable, that's okay. You know, like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it, it's not okay yeah, if someone's real. making that's you, yeah, connection. exactly. Yeah, yes. exactly. I, and we're and so, I, we as a society, I think, have become very focused on not causing others to feel things except good. Right. If you don't feel good, there's something wrong. And that's Mm -hmm. been sold to us. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, happiness and joy are major motivators that are used in, in advertising. And, you know, we're taught to think that it's it's not okay to experience depression. It's not okay to experience a blemish. It's not okay right. to be irritable. It's and not it's okay all to okay. have. Yeah, no. they, would, they yeah. would make people feel shame for where where they are because they're not in a different place. And um, right. and that's not fair. And it's also not real. It's not mm-hmm. realistic. Exactly. It's not, and it's not really the truth. The truth is, sometimes people hurt, or sometimes, you know, like I guess a lot of this comes maybe even just from political correctness, where we're trying to get mm-hmm. people. And if somebody is not thinking the right way about, let's say, a group that's subjugated, right? It's not okay that they have some sort of subjugating thought about a group. But we can't talk like it's not a place somebody can be and grow from. You know what I right. mean? Like everyone right. can mm-hmm. grow 
And and I think people just want to immediately cancel somebody or just shut it down and just say, like, forget them forever uh, because they have this sort of thought. It's like, well, that person can grow if you approach this in an honest way. Like, well, that is where they are. Mm -hmm. So how do we get them from being that way? And it's not canceling them. Yeah. (laughs) And I would say that the first step that's necessary for any kind of of real growth is an acknowledgement at least and an acceptance of where we are, like mm-hmm. getting real. This is actually where I am. Mm-hmm. And either I don't desire to change or I do desire to change mm-hmm. and continually welcoming where we are along the journey of the change mm-hmm. um, rather than being focused on where we are not yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the other thing I just want to say is, is in how we support others Mm -hmm. is often where we see someone's potential and out of care, we offer advice or um, encouragement towards being something different than what they are, which in a way as loving of a place as it's coming from, it also includes a subtle rejection of where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so learning, and this goes back to the skills of communication, there's nothing wrong with, with having, seeing that potential and desiring it for someone and wanting to encourage them or offering advice. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -mm. However, the way it's delivered can radically impact the way it's received and whether it's experienced as supportive or whether it's experienced as critical of where someone is now. And it's, it's even though it's the, the intention is pure, it doesn't mean that it'll be received with that pureness of intention. Right, and exactly. Heard that way. Right. So we can actually learn how to communicate in ways that best support people as and where they are and can include the desire to contribute. Yeah. It's something that I, I feel that people overcomplicate. And it's not that it's an uncomplicated thing because we are talking about things that are a little bit more complex than the average thing, but it also can be a bit simplified. It's really just, well, what's, let's just be honest about where people are. Like that can mm-hmm. be simple. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, while, while we are talking about complicated things, we don't have to overcomplicate it. We can simplify it and sort of streamline, like, let's just check in at where we are and just be honest mm-hmm. about that. And, and mm-hmm. you're right, you know, there is a lot of, uh, not to get too off topic, but, you know, you know, Twitter is just one of the worst places because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people are more about, it just seems like a lot of people are more about some sort of pageantry uh, element to social justice as opposed to anything sort of restorative. And uh, mm-hmm. then you have, mm-hmm. you, know, t- you know, people just yell and, and curse at other people for saying something that's wrong. And while they are coming from this place that is correct, you know, they they are 
they should be offended by what they're offended by. Um, there may be handling it in a way, oftentimes, that doesn't actually help anyone move forward. And then you have people right. on the other side who will say, be civil. And then that's, you know, too, that is oversimplifying it, it seems. Like it's because they're, they're sort of not seeing why the person is offended or, uh, mm-hmm. and it's also just like too broad, you know, because then the response is like, well, I'm mad that, you know, Trump is putting children in cages. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe they weren't telling you to be civil. Like, it's just, it's this thing that is both overcomplicated or oversimplified in a breath. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you're speaking to is one challenge of this digital age mm-hmm. and communication that is very one way. You know, even when people end up in a dialogue or conversation of some sort, a written one, there's very little room for actually meeting, being in connection. Mm -hmm. We're all uh, given the opportunity to have our own megaphone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, and... there's a lot of outward expression and not a tremendous amount of receiving. Right. And I think when we don't feel received uh, and that's actually what we're desiring Mm -hmm. by expressing ourselves, Mm -hmm. then um, there are many potential next steps that we might take. And one of them is to, express louder, express more, express with more passion, express with greater intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like calling out to be heard, but that tactic is actually not going to give us the receiving that that we we may be seeking. And so it's it's a tricky place, the world of social media. And we could have, like, you know, probably five other calls just about how communication works on social media versus uh-huh. in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally true. Well, I want to hear about what sort of response you're getting uh, from, mm-hmm. the, uh, from the engagements that you've had. Like, what, what sort of progress are you seeing? Yeah, thanks for asking I'm finding that what's been really great is that I've I've basically never advertised what I'm doing. It's been word of mouth and referrals that have, that have people continuing to show up every week at our workshops and bringing their friends or telling a coworker or asking me to come into their office and talk to their HR person or, their church or their, you know, communal home or whatever it may be. So there's, there's a, there's definitely a lot of receptivity. And of course there's the occasional person who, where it just doesn't make them sing, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't touch the spot that they're wanting to have touched in themselves. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, we're really um, a growing community here in New York City, and um, and I'm finding that when I tell people what I do, you know, that classic first three lines of meeting someone where someone asks, what do you do? And I 
I tell them I'm a, I'm my business is focused on igniting our sense of shared humanity and I teach communication and empathy. Almost every time I say it, people look at me and they're like, we really need that right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the same response, like, wow, <laughs> that's important. Um, and that, it, you know, I, I, my business coach, when we first started working together, said to me, we were writing my mission statement, and he said, you know, one of the ways you, um, or your vision statement, and he said one of the ways you know how to write your vision statement is to answer the question, what would the world look like if if my services were no longer necessary? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Right? Like, what would the world look like if, if this wasn't needed anymore? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew, okay, it's time to move on to something else. There's a new way to serve that's going to be you know, that, that where there are people needing this now. And so um, it's clear to me that, that unfortunately that time when the world no longer needs what I'm doing isn't near. Right. Sadly, you know, yeah. I, I wish, but like it's, that's not how it is yet. And um, so in terms of the reception and how things are going with the business, yes, um, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of, a lot of positive feedback. Um, and I, and I've started to grow in the last few years, a few different offerings besides these workshops that I was describing. We have a summer camp mm-hmm. that is a sleepaway camp for adults. It's a four day retreat Mm-hmm. And we actually rent out the, the grounds of a youth sleepaway camp before the youth have shown up mm-hmm. for the summer. And that is an opportunity for us to sort of step into life as, as if, um, I shouldn't say as if, but step into an experience for four days where we, where we're living the same values mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. and the values of truth, of connection, uh, of of communication that invites invites truth and intimacy, of exploration and experimentation in a welcoming space where you can sort of even try on your truth, try on expressing your truth in a place where someone will be with you as you fumble, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a place for self-expression where we have these, like a talent show and we have open mics and we have opportunities for people to lead and to step in front of a group and be heard. And also, be in you know small groups one two three people where we're heard in that way and nurtured and there are about 40 different workshops over the course of this four-day retreat and they range from um you know improvisation to to we have a touch workshop about learning all these different ways of human touch that maybe you would never just like you would learn different brush strokes 
in in painting. There's <laughs> different mm-hmm. ways of, of, of physical communication. We have um, art-based work and music-based work and therapeutic-based work and um, even some competitions and so many different ways to put yourself into relationship with others or to explore relationship with yourself and um, a really embracing environment to then unpack what you're experiencing as it unfolds. Wow. And it's so special. Uh, I, you know, I started it, I was inspired, I was holding retreats anyway, you know, connection retreats, Mm -hmm. basically bringing the circling practice and, and these relational and communication games to, to retreat settings. And then I thought, well, you know, I love to dance and I love the form of connection that I experience in dance. I'm going to try to get my dance teacher to come and, you know, there's yoga and I love how I, I love that kind of connection to my body. And then I love this and I love that. And I started thinking about all the things that I loved or all the things I was curious about uh, that are, in this realm of connecting with self and other. And the next thing I knew, I had a huge list of facilitators and I thought, well, what, how would I do this? And it became a summer camp. It became like, well, we need a big space and we need, people need to sleep there and so on and so on. And this thing was born. And after the first year, the feedback I got was that it was not just, oh, that was a really fun, delicious place to play and have connection, it was deeply transformational for so many people mm-hmm. in ways that I hadn't expected, you know, that people went home and got real with their partners or got real with their bosses or got real with them themselves. And like, I'm leaving New York or I'm, I'm whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm changing my job. I'm starting a blog. I'm, um, I'm going to go back and take an improv class. I'm going to, you know, whatever it was, people returned to um, their lives with a deeper sense of self and also a, a tribe that mm. they could rely on and connect with that has been with them and seen them in their truth rather than their um, whatever whatever way they've been presenting themselves to the world, which then becomes kind of a burden. You know, when someone perceives you a certain way, that we, we often start to then play that role for that mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Uh, un, you know, even unconsciously. And so mm-hmm. then there's this this community around you that just like really loves you exactly for who you are. They've seen, they've seen you in your messiest place. They've seen you in your most glorious place and they love you the same both ways. And um, we, I've, I've seen incredible friendships bloom. And I, I hear from a lot of people also that they, they find it hard to make new friends as an adult. But if they don't show up in your workplace, you don't, you know, find a bestie at work. Where, where, and how do we make friends? Mm-hmm. 
right. uh, real friends, you know, mm-hmm. and that's been another really great, great outcome of, of this camp and of this community that people, adults are finding really meaningful friendships and even getting the opportunity to belong somewhere, you know, belong in a community, belong to a, to a group or tribe or whatever word you might want to use. And that's really powerful and gives us a lot of the support and energy to go do, do life, do us Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you have that that sense of belonging. Yeah, that's fantastic, and I really really appreciate you sharing all that. Uh, and um, I, let's wrap it up here with uh, sort of creating something together. You you um, mentioned a few different things that sort of jumped out at me. Here's an idea that I have. Um, okay. Uh, just to bring it back to uh, comedy. What if yes. let's let's say there's an improv group and they want to uh, connect better on stage so that they can uh, feel comfortable being honest with where they are on stage and off, and also be more comfortable with other people uh, being where they are. Um, what mm-hmm. would be a good exercise for them to do? Uh, if I were working with an improv group that fits the description that you just described, I would pair them up, mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, partner A and partner B first spend a couple moments looking at each other, which can already be challenging for some yeah. people, mm-hmm. look, making eye contact. And that's Okay. I would let them know that, um, let your eyes drop if you need to, and just keep coming back to the connection for as long as you can. And to take a snapshot first of how it is to be in that, in that relationship, in that moment, Mm -hmm. and then close your eyes and ask yourself, what is it like to be me right now? Just with myself. What is this experience like? The, the energy of it, the flavor of it, the sensations of it, the emotions of it, the mood, um, even what kind of thoughts I'm having and just get a really clear sense of self and then return to connection, opening eyes. And at that point I would invite them again to now ask this question, what is it like to be me in connection with you? And to go back and forth. So partner A would start and say, right now, with you, I feel. And they'll, they'll fill that in with a sensation, an emotion, not a, an opinion or a thought. Not like, I feel like you're nervous, right? That wouldn't be the answer. It would be, right now, I feel a little clenching in my belly and a fear that I'm going to do this exercise wrong. Right, that could be what someone would say. Then partner B is going to respond. We'll say, hearing that, I feel. And so this I feel is going to be, what am I feeling having heard what you just said? So if the first person said, I feel a sensation in my belly and a fear that 
I'm not going to get this right. Person B might say, hearing that, I feel more relaxed. And back and forth, hearing now partner A, hearing that, I feel um, playful. And hearing that, I feel playful too. Hearing that, uh, I feel, um, I feel, I notice how much calmer I am that we both feel playful and back and forth and just like getting yeah. with each other, just be with each other with what is in the moment. And it's a very simple exercise. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful one. And it, it's, it's, it's like this intersubjective experience of, you know, the, so often our communication is, is what I call triangulated, meaning you and I are talking about this third thing, mm-hmm. but we're not actually being in our relationship. So in this practice, we start actually turning the focus onto how is it to be us here together? Right. And so I think that's a great starting point for any group um, or any pair of people. I've had couples do this for hours on end, and they say that they feel more intimacy than they have when they're just, you know, having other kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. We're just really being with and revealing what is and not being met with any opinion about it or fixing or changing or and and it's a practice of being with yourself consistently. Mm-hmm. So that there's an offering of a practice that anyone can do with a partner of any kind. Um, and I would be curious if anyone gives it a try and wants to tell me how their experience is to, to even email me on my website. And uh, or if you're hungry for more. You know, of course, I'm I'm available to teach and lead online or in person. Awesome. Well, there it is. Amy, that was great. Thank you so much for being mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I'm really glad to have spoken with you. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Such a good chat. I really, really enjoyed that discussion. And I, I like the way she framed things that I said to uh, kind of go along with the world she comes from, like the language she uses to talk about things. It helped, I think, make sense out of my jumbled words and thoughts. (laughs) Um, So I really appreciated her time, but also her expertise and wisdom on the subject. And I, I really do, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I really do believe that getting in tune with these things and, and, really sitting with that sort of stuff and and tearing down emotional blocks, that's very, very crucial if you want to be a performer and really any kind of performer, but especially one who is talking (laughs) or singing. So uh, I hope you gained something from this. And if you are not a performer, I hope you gained something from this too. I hope you check out The Connection Movement. You can go to theconnectionmovement.com and learn more about it and see what services you can get. And, of course, the links are in the bio. Of course, also the links for the podcast are in the bio. There it is, pod.com. And, again, the truth is also going to have – I'm going to put a link in there so you can go check that out. 
Well, folks, that's today's episode. Next week's episode is our first time doing a Christmas episode on Christmas Day, I think. Um, I'm not positive of that, but very excited to share that with you. It is with girlfriend of the show, Justina, and we're excited to do it. It's a fun episode. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 